Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open it now to Psalm 23. Over the last month or so, I've been releasing special episodes on various psalms as they seem to bear upon our experiences during this COVID-19 pandemic. We began with Psalm 91, the preeminent psalm of comfort. And a couple of weeks ago, when we were all beginning to feel the absence of corporate worship, we took a look together at Psalm 42. And then this week, as we are settling into our self-isolation and beginning to think and reflect upon the meaning of it all, it occurs to me that it might be helpful for us to spend some time in Psalm 23. This is a psalm about guidance, comfort, and confidence during troubled times. It is organized around two metaphors, the Lord as shepherd in verses 1 to 4, and then the Lord as host in verses 5 to 6. The ascription indicates that it is a psalm of David, and there is every reason to be confident in that assertion. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Commentators often remark here upon the unusual intimacy that characterizes this psalm. You've probably heard before that in the Old Testament, it was relatively uncommon for people to speak of God in personal terms. He was the God of Israel and the Lord of the covenant community. But here, David speaks of him in very personal ways. He doesn't say that God leads his people. He says, Yahweh leadeth me. That's unusual language, or at least it was in the Old Testament. Now, of course, that isn't to say that this is the only way to think about God. In fact, when you get to the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, as a modern-day believer, there's a bit of a rebuke in the Lord's Prayer in terms of our thinking about God only or exclusively in personal terms. The Lord's Prayer puts all the petitions in the plural. God is our Father, and we ask Him to supply our daily bread and to forgive us our trespasses. So, it is definitely both and in the Bible. But, In times of crisis, it is particularly helpful to be reminded that God isn't just watching over his people in general. He's watching over you and me in particular. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. That matters right now, brothers and sisters, doesn't it? We need to know That God has a big plan for all of us in this and a little plan just for me, just for you. And this psalm assures us of that. It is a remarkably personal psalm. Now, the Israelites weren't the first people to use the metaphor of a shepherd to refer to leaders, both human and divine. In a pastoral culture, the metaphor made sense. The The shepherd was responsible for every aspect of life for the sheep. He fed them, led them, protected them, disciplined them, groomed them, and was accountable for their general welfare. But of course, for David, this metaphor would have been wrapped up in his own personal experiences. Before he became a king, David was a shepherd, literally. 
He spoke about defending his sheep from the bear and from the lion. He had lived with sheep. He had personal acquaintance with the metaphor that he was using here. But more important than David knowing the metaphor is the fact, of course, that David knew the Lord. He knew Yahweh. Yahweh is, in fact, the first word in this psalm. Yahweh is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. Now, David isn't saying that he will never have hard times. He goes on to speak about being led through the valley of the shadow of death. So David is not predicting constant ease and sunshine. He's just expressing confidence. If I really need it, God will surely give it. He loves me, he knows me, and he is committed to me, therefore I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, if you know anything about sheep, you know that they are naturally skittish animals. If they are afraid, they don't lie down. They stand up and they can even run around in circles. For a sheep to lie down, he must feel safe. That's what David is saying here. Because Yahweh is my shepherd, I lie down. I am not afraid. I am not skittish. If God is for me, who could be against me? He brings me into the quiet place and I embrace it. Friends, you don't need to understand this quiet place in order to embrace it. All you need to know is that God brought you here. You don't need to know when it will end. The sheep doesn't know how long they'll be stopping at any one place. They just know that the shepherd knows and he can be trusted. God brought you here for a reason. He is restoring your soul. My friends, I believe that God has good purposes in this COVID-19 pandemic. I don't claim to know what they are, but I believe they are for our good. And that's not just blind faith on my part. That is biblical faith. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you're one of God's sheep, then this will work out for your good. Period. You don't need to understand how, you just need to trust that it will. That's what David means when he says in verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Paths of righteousness literally means right paths. God knows the right path, even if it seems weird and windy to the sheep. God knows the best way for us to go. He's got the map. And so even if he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to worry. This must be the best way for us to get where we are going. And that's the next thing David says in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Derek Kidner says here, the dark valley or ravine is as truly one of his right paths as are the green pastures, a fact that takes much of the sting out of any ordeal, closed quote. David doesn't try and understand the twists and turns of the journey. He's not a backseat driver. He just looks at God in the front seat and he sees that God has his rod and his staff. So David just leans back and pulls his hat down over his eyes and settles in for the ride. W.S. Plumer says marvelously here, At all times of distress, let us trust God and fear no evil. Never be afraid with any amazement 
Never anticipate evils which may not come upon us. Never magnify the trials we endure. Never rely with confidence on human devices for deliverance. Never deplore what is unavoidable. Never hew out cisterns which can hold no water. Always put the best construction on God's procedure. Always expect that more light will remove much of our perplexity. Always remember that if God should cease to be a mysterious being, he would cease to be God, and that a government without acts inexplicable to mortals cannot be divine. Closed quote. Brothers and sisters, there is more good counsel per square inch in that citation than just about any other I can recall. God knows what he's doing here. He may not share his purpose with us, but you can trust that he has purpose. He is God. He is good. He's in control. He has all the tools he needs to refine us and protect us. So you don't need to be worried about a thing. God is in control of the journey. And he is bringing us toward a marvelous destination. And so the metaphor begins to shift here a little bit in the final two verses. God is now not just our leader and shepherd and our guide. He is also our host. Verse 5 and 6 say, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and Mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Commentators debate amongst themselves as to what exactly David means here when he says that the table is prepared for him in the presence of his enemies. Some say that means merely despite his enemies, that that even as David is being led through a gauntlet of troubles, nevertheless, the table is being set and the banquet is sure because God himself is our host and guide. And that may be so. But others see here the very common biblical theme of vindication. See, the Bible assumes that God's people will suffer the slings and arrows of our enemies in this world, both spiritual and human. We will be mocked slandered and vilified, but in the end, we will be vindicated. We will be inside the banquet hall with the Lord while all those who opposed us are outside weeping and wailing and watching on. And while that may feel like a very Old Testament notion, it is actually one of the closing notes of the New Testament. In Revelation 22, verses 14 to 15, the Bible says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, closed quote. So the picture here is of God, the good shepherd, leading us through a gauntlet of troubles, through the valley of the shadow of death, target of the slings and arrows of our adversaries, but ultimately brought safely into the presence and enjoyment of the Lord. And they're vindicated and celebrated in the house of the Lord forever. Derek Kidner makes that point at the end of his commentary in the psalm. He says, there is a suggestion of pilgrimage in the picture of a progress that ends at the house of the Lord. 
Now, it seems likely here that David is speaking in two ways simultaneously. He is likely speaking about being led by God through various troubles and eventually being able to return and to enjoy the experience of corporate worship with the people of God in the literal house of the Lord, the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. That's the first level of meaning, and we can certainly embrace that. We, too, are looking forward to being gathered together in the house of the Lord with our friends and family to worship That's going to be a great blessing when this is over. But there is more here than just that. J. Alec Montier says, The Bible dares to go the further step. What of eternity? Verse 6 traces the pathway forward. All the days of my life are catered for by goodness and committed love. And, And then there awaits the great return. I will return to Yahweh's house forever for the endlessly prolonged days of eternal life, closed quote. So that's the ultimate journey that is in view here. That is what it finally means to go home. And like the prodigal son, when we arrive at our father's home, we discover that we are to be treated far better than we merit or deserve. David says that God anoints his head with oil. Well, if you remember the story of Jesus dining at the house of Simon the Pharisee, you know that anointing with oil was something reserved for highly honored guests. Do you remember that story? Jesus contrasts the attitude of Simon with the attitude of the sinful woman whom Simon despised. Jesus said to him, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Close quote. Are you hearing that? Simon's sins were not forgiven because he did not treat Jesus as he deserved. He didn't anoint his head with oil. He didn't understand who Jesus was, and he did not treat him with the honor he was due. Which is the honor we will be treated with when we arrive at our master's home in glory. We will be treated as if we were Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And of course, that's the gospel in a nutshell. The gospel is about how God treats Jesus as if he were us, so that at the end of our journey, he can treat us as if we were him. And David prophetically sees that and speaks of it here. He says, I will be brought safely through this gauntlet of troubles, through the valley of the shadow of death, and I will be seated at the table of my God and treated as a beloved and honored son. My cup will be filled to the brim. My joy will know no bounds. The aches and pains of my journey will be long forgotten. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that can be your faith too. That should be your faith too. You should rest even easier than David as you walk through this valley of the shadow of death. For you know this good shepherd far better than David ever could or did. You know Jesus who said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
Jesus has already done the hardest part. If he could die on the cross, descend to the dead, and rise again victorious on the third day, then he can handle whatever difficulties may be associated with this pandemic known as COVID-19. He's got this, brother. He's got this, sister. And he's got you. The Lord is in control. He has the map, and he knows the way. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to this special COVID-19 episode of Into the Word. If you don't have a church to connect with on Sunday, I'd like to invite you to join us at Cornerstone Baptist Church here in Aurelia for the duration of this crisis. You can find our service at www.cornerstoneaurelia.org. I'd also like to let you know about a special new program that we'll be hosting on our Facebook page starting this Thursday, April 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The program is called Going Deeper Online, and it will feature myself as host, joined by three of my good friends and fellow RMM Bible Reading Plan users, and we'll discuss the previous week's readings and also answer any questions you may have as a listener. If you want to be a part of that, just find us at Into the Word on Facebook, and you'll see it there. I hope to see you there, and I hope to see you again right here real soon for another episode of Into the Word. Into the Word.